Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. Amen. I got to preach after that. His love is a boundless love. Amen. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We'll continue our series on following the footsteps of Jesus. And we started with Jesus there in John chapter 1. And in the beginning, as he stepped out on nothing, can created everything. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, Jesus Christ. And without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ stepped out on everything, stepped out on nothing and created everything. And then we see him there as the Word. And the Word was with God. There in eternity past, Jesus and, and God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, communicating and fellowshipping together there in the beginning. All things were created by him. I said before, I said again, you have two choices. Either you believe in eternal matter, which is evolution. They believe in eternal matter, that there was a speck of dust or something out there. Or you believe in the eternal master. And I think I'll just stick with the eternal master. It takes more faith to believe in eternal matter than it does faith to believe in the eternal master. And God created all things. Then in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 13, we spoke about the light. So Jesus is the word there in verse 1. And then we see that he is also the light. We talked about in the Old Testament how the, there the Shekinah glory that departed from that Holy of Holies, there the, above the Ark of the Covenant, that glory of God, the Shekinah glory, left the temple and then left the city of Jerusalem and then went out into the mountains. And now we see that light has returned. That's the way it describes it. The light has returned. We see the Shekinah glory over uh, the house where Jesus was, where the, where the wise men came to visit him, that Shekinah glory, the glory of God has returned. Jesus Christ, that light, that light. And then we see the Lamb. On Easter Sunday, we preached the Lamb. It says there that John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, verse 29, he says, And the next day Jesus, seeth, uh, Jesus cometh unto him, John the Baptist, and saith, and John the Baptist saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So we see Jesus Christ as the Word. We see Jesus Christ again as the light. And we see Jesus Christ as the Lamb. We kind of skipped over, and I want to go back and pick it up, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Look with me in verse 34. And I saw, and remember now John is speaking here, and I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Look over with me in verse 15. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. For only the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. There's many other verses Let's look at uh, even verse 49. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray again that you'd bless the reading of your word, and may we see you as, again, the Son of God this morning. And Lord, if there's someone here who's never accepted you as the Son of God, they've never accepted you as the Messiah, the long-awaited King, I pray, God, that they would accept you today. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Christ is indeed the Son of God. John wrote the book of John. If you remember back in John chapter 20 and verse 30, he said, these things have I written that you might believe that he is the son of God. We'll cover that here in a moment, but that he is the son of God. So John, John, the apostle says, I wrote the book that you might believe that he is the son of God. So John is laying out for the Jew. John is laying out for the Greeks. John is laying out for the Romans. And John is putting together uh, the, the, the stories and the miracles and all the things that Jesus did to prove or to show that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God, Amen. that he is the Son of God. John said to himself, I'm writing these things that you might believe and know that he is the Son of God. So first off, we want to see there in verse 15, the eternal Son of God. Kind of John the Baptist lays this out. He's preparing the nation. Remember, John the Baptist is preparing the nation of Israel for the Messiah. Six months after John the Baptist's ministry begins, Jesus Christ's ministry begins. And John the Baptist, the six months prior, is, is preparing the way for the Messiah. He is, he, is, uh, he is preaching and teaching repentance and salvation. And so he's preparing the way. So kind of keep that in mind. Preparing the nation of Israel to meet the Messiah. So how does he do this? By showing them that the Messiah is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Son of God. Look at verse 15. And John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me. And listen to the statement. For he was before me. So as John the Baptist's testimony, he testifies that Jesus is the eternal Son of God. John the Baptist was born six months prior to Jesus. And yet he says, he was before me. That's because he was. Jesus Christ did not have a beginning. He is the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They were there in the beginning. He is eternal. He is the eternal Son of God. For He was before me. Look at verse 30 of chapter 1. This is He whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for He was before me. There is no doubt in my mind, or any scholar's mind, or any commentator's mind, that when John is speaking to this group, they understand what he's saying when he says, he was before me. That he, John the Baptist was referring to Jesus Christ being the Son of God, eternal Son of God. John chapter 1, I just quoted it a while ago again. He is the creator, the word, the beginning. If you want to turn over a couple of pages to John chapter 8, look with me in verse 58. John eight fifty-eight. Let's look at verse 46. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? The Jews go, uh, Have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, verse 58, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, what? I am. Then they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself. That's not the last time they would take up stones to kill him to try and kill him because he claimed to be the eternal son of God. There are so many more verses we can turn to. We won't do so this morning. But the Bible over and over and over again tells us, shows us, proves to us that Jesus was more than a man. 
Jesus Christ was more than flesh, that he was indeed the Son of God. Then in verse 16, look with me, John 1, 16, in his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. So John says he's the eternal Son of God, and secondly, he says he's the grace giver. He's the grace giver. I, I love this point. We could stay here all morning, and that is I'm so thankful for the grace of God. God's grace. Grace is God's undeserved or unmerited favor. In other words, it's God who gives us grace. Gives us grace. I'm going to describe it more here in just a moment. Grace for what? Well, Ephesians tells us, Paul says to us, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. So, grace is given to us for salvation, that we might be saved. Amen? I got saved when I was six years old in my pastor's office, kneeling there. My dad was there, and I prayed, and I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by grace through faith. Grace is God's unmerited favor. In other words, grace is things that God puts into our life that we do not deserve. We do not deserve God's grace. I'm a sinner. And you're a sinner. You say, well, the Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says in Romans, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners by nature. And that word sin, that the, the word sin is, again, selfishness. We are all selfish by nature. You have to teach a child, uh, you, have to, you have to encourage a child not to be selfish. Let me say it another way. You, you, have, to, you have to discipline a child not to be selfish. No, no child is born selfless. That's my toy. By the way, us guys are the same way. That's my stuff, my, my tools. Leave them alone. Go into my pantry. That's my pantry. That's my food. I'm not referring to anybody in particular. But we're all selfish by nature. We're all sinners. Listen, John says it again. He says that sin is a transgression of the law. The law is to be is to selflessness. Listen, we are sinners by nature. But Jesus Christ... And by the way, there's a debt for that. There's a payment for it. For the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. The payment of sin is death. The wage, the penalty of sin is death. The being born a sinner and being born selfish and living a self, the penalty for that is death. Revelation says, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Listen, one day we're all physically going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die. Everybody's headed that way. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to, you know, sing about it. We don't have songs, you know. You know what I'm saying? We don't talk about it. But death is coming. It's here. It's coming for all of us. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, this life is just a speck in eternity. Are you listening? This is just a speck. speck. I'm telling you. Eternal, eternity in the future. We, we, we seem to focus so much on the here and now, and God wants to focus on the future. But the gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can have eternal, we can have our sins forgiven, and we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. How? By grace, through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not a works that any man should boast. I don't earn God's favor. 
I don't earn God's favor. God gives it to me. That's grace. He gives me, though I'm undeserving, He gives that to me. I'm thankful for God's grace. Well, I can't live up to the expectation of God. For, by, for all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. Who and what He is. See, you might be better than your next-door neighbor. Honestly, you might be morally better than your next-door neighbor. You might be able to look out the backyard and say, I'm not as bad as that person or that person or that person. You may come to church and say, you know what, I live a better life than so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. But so-and-so's not the measuring stick. So-and-so's not the plumb line. God is. There's an illustration given about a little girl and her mother on a plane. And as they're leaving the airport, they look down and they see a flock of sheep. And the little girl just to her mother says, man, look how pretty and white those sheep are. About a week later, they come back on the same flight and they come into the same airport and a newly fallen snow had happened the night before. And as they fly in this time, the girl tells her mother as she looks over out the window, she sees the same flock of sheep. She says, look how dirty those sheep are. Well, they weren't, they were the same sheep. Nobody had given them a bath, but against the white backdrop of that snow, those sheep look dirty. Listen, you may look okay to your next door neighbor up against that, but against the holiness of God, we are all dirty. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus Christ came, the Son of God came, the eternal Son of God came over, a little over 2,000 years ago, and there he died and paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, shed his blood on Calvary. They put him in a tomb, but three days later he rose from the dead, paying for our sins in full that we might have our sins forgiven and we might have eternal life. The grace of God and grace for grace. John the Baptist says, God, this eternal Son of God, giveth grace. And then the next verse he talks about the Old Testament. And he's not necessarily saying the Old Testament was, didn't have grace in it. We know it did. The Old Testament, there was grace in the Old Testament. Just simply being able to go to the temple and offer up a sacrifice and offer up a lamb, that was grace. Because according to the rules of the Old Testament, you break God's law, that's it. Man, I'm going to smite you, put my thumb upon you. I'm going to withhold rain from you. There wasn't... Anyway, but God did show grace in the Old Testament, allowing for the sacrifices and allowing for many other things. But if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4, you find that the New Testament is far superior to the Old Testament in its grace. It is far more glorious. I'm thankful I don't have to live up to those 613 laws in the Old Testament. I'm glad this morning I'm allowed to wear a mixture of polyester and cotton of some sort so that I can wear a shirt that doesn't necessarily have to be ironed. But I'm spoiled. I take mine to the dry cleaners and it looks like this. Right? But if you're in the Old Testament, you couldn't wear clothing that had mixture of, of different fabrics. It was one of their rules. I, listen, if you lived in the Old Testament, you couldn't go home and have catfish. You couldn't have it. it, it they, they were only allowed to eat scaly fish. Now, I, you know, eating a, a black bass is awesome. So that, that green fish that some people catch a lot of, I eat those. I think this, no, I don't really. I throw them back. But I'm just messing with the basket people. They don't like for you to eat their green fish. But I can eat bass, but I can't eat a catfish. I'm just saying, in the Old Testament, you, were, you couldn't do those things. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful for the grace of God. Not only for salvation, but number two, for living. 
for a living. The grace of God is not just for our salvation, but the grace of God is for our living. In other words, that we, it, it is the grace of God. It's God's uh, unmerited favor, even unto enablement. So it's, grace doesn't just give us what we do not deserve, but it also gives us power. Listen, in the Old Testament, they were given a lot of rules, a lot of rules, but they were given no power to keep them. They were given no supernatural power to keep them. They just had to will it. They just had to, they had to man up. Listen, in the New Testament, when I got saved, I received the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost abides in me, and I'm so thankful that God gave me the Holy Ghost by His grace. And I am saved, born again, child of God, blessed, have my sins forgiven, going to heaven someday. But that Holy Spirit is not just there as my earnest. He's not just there as the seal of my salvation, but He is there to empower me to live a Christian life. That I can live a life that's pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, be holy for I am holy. That is an Old Testament, uh, again, scripture that Jesus Christ takes to the New Testament and applies to New Testament saints that we are to live godly lives. And you are enabled to do so by the Holy Spirit that abides in you. We are not only to, we are not only saved by faith through grace through faith, we are to live by grace through faith. In fact, Paul said it right. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Miss Linda sings that song. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm thankful this morning that he saved me and gave me through his grace salvation, but also empowered me to live a Christian life. Listen, this morning as a Christian, a life was not meant to be endured. It was meant to be enjoyed. And if you're not enjoying life this morning as a Christian, as a born-again believer, then you need to come to this altar and you need, to, you need to ask the Lord what it is in your life that's keeping you from enjoying life. And many times, many times, many times, it's some sin in our life. It's worry or stress or whatever it may be in your life to come down. And he said, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. And give that to the Lord. And, and walk away with that, with that load lifted and walk away and live that abundant life that Jesus intended for you to live. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. So number one, we see the Son of God. Number two, we see the grace that's so given to us by that Son. Number three, we see God the Son. You say, is there a difference between the Son of God and God the Son? Yeah, listen to it again. The Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But He also is God the Son. Jesus Christ is God the Son. He is God. Make no mistake about it. Make no bones about it. The Bible says, the New Testament tells us that Jesus Christ is God. The triunity of God. Say, understand that God is a spirit, the Bible says, and he that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But if he's a spirit, he cannot be seen. Talking about God the Father. God the Father is a spirit. 1 Timothy 1.17, Hebrews 11.27, both describe him, describe God as the invisible God. The invisible God. But so how does God reveal himself to us? How does God unveil himself to us? Well, God unveils himself to us. God reveals himself to us through his creation. As you walk out the door this morning and see the beautiful creation after the rain yesterday. By the way, yesterday also just reveals to us that God is in control. He is a creator. I don't know that mankind can control the weather. In fact, they can't even predict the weather from one day to the next. My weatherman that I trust said, 
that it was coming in early and that it was going to rain like an inch, maybe two, and not 75 inches in two hours. <laughs> they can't even predict the weather. But listen, God reveals himself through creation. God reveals himself through the trees. Yes, God, God uh, you, you can look at a building and know someone built, a man built it, or a woman built it, right? I mean, this has been built by a man, by a woman. This has been built by a human being. You go out and you get in your Chevy, which everybody should be driving. You go out and get in your Chevy. You know someone made that. You know someone made that. Listen, when you go out this morning, out those doors, and you look at creation, just realizing someone made that. There's no explanation for that, except that God made it. So God reveals himself through his creation, the complexity of creation. By the way, just the variety of creation. I'm still just amazed at how much variety there is in creation. Variety, and by that I mean how many different fish there are. How much good food there is. God could have created everything in black and white. God could have created everything. He could have created a minimal amount of animals and a minimal amount of the, of the life cycle. He could, have created, he could have done it any other way. But listen, the, the proof, one of the proofs of God's love for you is creation. God created this for you. God created it for me. He created variety and that we might enjoy his creation. And so God reveals himself through his creation. God reveals himself, number two, through his word, his written word. I'm thankful today that I hold in my hand the written word of God. The inspired, inerrant, the very word of God. And I believe in the King James Bible in the English language. And what a great word this is. And God reveals himself to us. God shows himself to us. I'm thankful that God reveals himself. And thirdly, God reveals himself through his son. Through his son. Listen to this again, verse 18. John 1. No man hath seen God. Are everybody with me? No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, what? He hath declared Him. He hath declared Him. It is through His Son that we see Jesus, that we see God the Father. The word Son, God reveals to His, his Son through His Word. He hath declared it. Colossians 1.15 says, Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. Notice that now. You can, you can look these verses up. Colossians 1.15, who is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1.3 says, who is the express image of his person. That Jesus Christ is the express image of God, of his person. 2 Corinthians 4.5-6 says that Jesus is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of whom what God is, is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in his Son, the eternal Son, of God, but God the Son. God the Son. That He is God, that He is God in the flesh. Great is the mystery of Godness. First Timothy says, God was manifest in the flesh. We skip verse 14 a little bit, but look at John 1, 14. And the Word was made what? Flesh. The Word. Jesus Christ made flesh. God made flesh. God was skin on. This word son is used for the first time in John's gospel as a title for Jesus Christ. So in the word of God, John is the first one to use the word son in reference to Jesus Christ. The only begotten, we, we know that phrase, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have the only begotten son, right? We know that phrase, that's a very famous verse, John three sixteen. The son, God's own precious son. By the way, not, not a birth. Again, he's preexistent. He's, he's always, he's eternal God. He's begotten, unique. So much more. 
This word son is used nine times in John's gospel. As I said at the first of the message, John 20, verse 31, John says that he wrote the book of John in order that you might believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. And that believing, you might have eternal life. Even the devils or the demons believed that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. Luke chapter 4, verse 41 says, The devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. So as Jesus is casting out demons out of people, the demons cry out, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Bible says that that Jesus had to to hush them up and say, They understood and believed that He was the Son of God, that He was God the Son. Six people in the John's Gospel witnessed to that Jesus was indeed God. In fact, Jesus Christ himself claimed to be God. Turn over just a couple of pages, John 10, John 10 verse 30. It's a real simple verse. If you don't turn there, you're going to... John 10, verse 30. Look at Jesus' words here. These are Jesus' words. Quoting Jesus. John 10, verse 30. I... And my Father are one. I and my Father are one. Jesus claimed to be God. If you'll notice in this, just like over in chapter 8, verse 56 that we read a moment ago, they took up stones in verse 59 of chapter 8, they took up stones to cast at him. Notice what they did here. It says, and the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, verse 32, many good works have I showed you, from my father, for which of those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. So I would tell you there's an eighth person in John that testifies that Jesus is the Son of God, and that was the Jews themselves, who, who by, Jew, the Jews te- by Jesus' testimony, and by Nathaniel's testimony, and, and by the, the Apostle John's testimony, and so forth, of those in the Gospel of John, the Jews also believe that Jesus Christ was claiming to be God because they pick up stones to to cast at him to to kill him. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then we see John the Baptist, verses 19 through 28, in John chapter 1, 19 through 28, John's testimony. Here a group came to him. They were asking him questions, the Pharisees asking him questions. Who are you? Here's the priests and the Levites asking him questions. By the way, they had the right to do that. Uh, the Levites, the priests, were the keeper of the theology and so forth for Judaism. And they came to him and asked him questions. Are you the Messiah? Are, are, you, are you Elijah? Are you that prophet Elijah that's prophesied to come before uh, the Messiah comes? John the Baptist says, I am not the Messiah. I am not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. In other words, John the Baptist had nothing to say about himself. He was sent to talk about Jesus. John the Baptist had nothing to say about himself. He was there to talk about Jesus Christ. He was there to point others to Jesus Christ. Can we follow? We ought to follow his example, amen? As Christians, we ought to follow his example. Our our job and our uh, purpose is to point others to Jesus Christ. John says, no, I'm not the light. No, I'm not, I'm not the Messiah. No, I'm not Elijah. No, I'm here to point people to Jesus. Listen, this morning, Christian, are you pointing people to Jesus? 
Are you telling others? Are you, are you passing out a track to someone? Are you leaving, leaving a track with someone? Are you telling your kinfolks? Are you telling your neighbors about Jesus? We ought to follow his example. John said, no, I'm, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not, not Elijah, but yet I am the voice crying in the wilderness. I am the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40. I'm the one preparing the way for the Messiah, the one that will come, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy. In other words, whose shoes I'm not worthy to tie. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. He, he will come and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He was preparing the materials for Jesus to build the church. John the Baptist did not build the church. John the Baptist did not establish the church. John the Baptist was simply one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for the one who would come and establish the church. He was baptizing converts. He was, again, pointing people to Jesus. He He said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And we know from scriptures that many began to follow Jesus as John began to point his converts to Jesus. Remember, John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. It was all about Jesus. It's not about me, it's all about him. May we remember as Christians that it's not about you. It's all about him. It's not about me, it's about him. And may we be the example of showing others Jesus Christ. May we be the example of telling others the Lord Jesus Christ. May we, not, may, may we not make it all about us, but make it about Him. See, what the world needs is Jesus. Listen, what the world needs is Jesus. What the world needs is the book, this old book, the Bible. What the world needs is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who can transform lives. It's the grace of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit that can change a life, that can change and transform a life. The government's not going to do it. The schools are not going to do it. You as parents can't do it, but God sure can. What the world needs today is Jesus Christ. They need the Holy Spirit. What the world needs today is not not another book on self-help or not another book on, on whatever. No, the world needs Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. By the way, if you're the eternal Son of God and you created everything, it makes you pretty powerful. I think if he can create the world, he can sure enough handle your, your situation. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just saying God can handle it if you'll give it to him. If God is eternal and, God crea- and, and Jesus Christ created all things, then we ought to trust him with the here and now. He is the grace giver. He will give you grace upon grace. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. The greatest decision you will ever make is to come to him. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll give you a home in heaven. This morning we're going to have an invitation. We're going to invite you to come to the front. And we'll have counselors here who can show you from the Bible how your sins can be forgiven, how you can have a home in heaven. The greatest decision you'll ever make. The grace giver. And then we have God the Son. Jesus Christ is God. And may we, like John the Baptist, tell others of him. It's not about me. It's all about him. And what the world today needs is not different politicians. What the world today needs is Jesus, the transformer of lives. I'm thankful he's still transforming lives today. 
and he'll transform your life. Let's all stand. Hymn 544, hymn 544, almost persuaded after we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the witness of John the Baptist testifying of your dear son Jesus, who is God, the eternal God. Lord, we thank you for the grace that's been given us through your son Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the power and, and, and glory. And God, we just pray this morning again that if there's someone here who's never accepted you as Savior, they might accept you today. And Lord, today, if there's someone here who's suffering, someone here who's going through a trial or testing, I pray, God, that you would empower them through your grace, through your Holy Spirit, as they go through that. Lord, as only you can. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.